Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 3 called, The One Who Lifts My Head. Notice at the top of Psalm 3, you have a heading, a specific backdrop to the psalm. It's a psalm of David. There's your author. When he fled from Absalom, his son. So uh, this is not necessarily common that you're going to find a specific heading to a psalm, but here it is, and here's the backdrop of the psalm, and it specifically says David authored the psalm, and he wrote it, and this is what you'll find as you study the book of Psalms, is that there's a backdrop, or at least a suspected backdrop, to, the, to many of the psalms, and many of them that happen in David's life, and this particular one is uh, how he fled from Absalom, his son. Uh, a psalm of David. This has been called a lament psalm or a mourning psalm, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, when we mourn or lament over something. But you could also call it a mourning psalm without the U because his mercies are new every morning. And what you're going to find in the psalm is that David will go from mourning, like I'm bummed out, I'm lamenting, to a new mourning in God's mercy and grace. And I think that in our lives, that's really what we experience perhaps even every day or every week is we have our ups and downs and then we get a new shot, right? We, get, we have new beginnings in Christ all the time. And David found a new beginning after this terrible tragedy. I will tell you that much of what happened with Absalom was actually David's fault. David had committed uh, uh, in an adulterous affair with Bathsheba and there was some prophecy spoken over David. And when Nathan came to David and told him that story that we're all familiar with about the rich family and them stealing the little ewe lamb, that was about David. And David repented right there and he was forgiven. But then some prophecies were spoken over his life. And they were prophecies like this. The sword is never going to leave your house. What you did in secret is going to happen in the daylight. And then what, what we do know is that that child that came as a result of the adulterous affair passed away. And David said those famous words, he can't come to me, but I will go to him. And so even though David was forgiven, and we all have realized this in our life, God forgives us because we are in Christ and forgiveness is ours and he cleanses us and he keeps on forgiving us, amen, from all sin. We're not spared necessarily consequences. And when we decide to go wayward, when we live outside of God and his principles, or if we're a believer and we decide to do it our own way, inevitably it's been said that consequences follow like, day, like night follows day. It just happens. Now, sometimes God is merciful and even spares us some consequences. And we've probably all experienced that to a certain degree, right? Where we've blown it and God hasn't given us the full impact of the thing that we deserve. But oftentimes when we swim in consequences, those are the best lessons and uh, those lessons leave an everlasting imprint, and God knows that. And so what I want to do is I want to take you to the main parallel text that we'll look at tonight, and it's found in 2 Samuel. 
We're going to look at a few spots. It's back in your Bible. So you got the first five books of Moses, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, first and second Samuel. So the, the books of first and second Samuel largely are devoted to the life of David, not the whole of those books, but he takes on the major portion of them. Second Samuel 15 is uh, in the aftermath of all that's happened with Bathsheba and so forth. And this is going to be the rising up of Absalom, his son. Look at 2 Samuel 15, the first uh, seven verses. Now, it came about, 2 Samuel 15, 1, after this that Absalom, that's David's son, provided for himself a chariot and horses and 50 men as runners before him. Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way to the gate, uh, 2 Samuel 15, 2. And it happened that when any man had a suit to come to the king for judgment, that is to David, Absalom would call to him, kind of intercept that person and say, from what city are you? And he would say, your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom would say to him, see, your claims are good and right. It would seem he would say this before he'd even hear the story. But no man listens to you on the part of the king. Something like this. This administration doesn't pay attention to the common person. There's an issue here, but I'll listen to you. I'll listen to your claims. Moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that one would appoint me judge in the land, that then every man who had, has any suit or cause could come to me, and I would give him justice. In other words, he was impugning the administration of David. And it happened that when a man came near to prostrate himself before him, Absalom, he was a good-looking guy with a great hairdo, by the way, if you ever studied his life. He would put out his hand and take hold of him and, and kiss him. And in this manner, Absalom dealt with all Israel who came to the king for judgment. He would intercept people. He would say, hey, I understand, and my heart goes out to you. And really what you need is a king like me. I would fix all your problems. I would take care of everything that's happening. David's not really taking care of things. So this is what I would do for you. Get up. You don't have to prostrate yourself before me. And he'd kiss him. Maybe the double kiss on the cheek and that kind of thing. And Absalom would deal with Israel in this way. And I'm sure David knew what was going on. And so Absalom, look at verse 6, stole away the hearts of the men of Israel. Now Absalom was clever. He positioned himself well. He appealed to what many people want to hear. Tell me what I want to hear. Listen to my cause. Pay me some compliments. Tell me that you're going to take care of my problems and you're going to fix everything. Pretty much what every politician says to us, right? And usually politicians will say something like this. That guy's not doing it. So I'll fix it. I'll pay attention to you, right? Promises, 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 all this stuff. And Absalom did that. And he did that for a while. And all of a sudden, he stole away the hearts of the people. The hearts of the people began to turn to Absalom. Now skip all the way down to uh, verse 23 of chapter 15. While all the country was weeping with a loud voice. Now Absalom is uh, turning on his father. And his father's got to get out of town. While all the country was weeping with a loud voice, all the people passed over. The king, David, also passed over the brook Kidron. This is that little valley at the base of the Mount of Olives. And if you've ever been to Israel or seen pictures of Israel, let me just paint the picture really quick. So the Kidron Valley is this little valley 
uh, where, which would, would be considered like a wadi. And a wadi, W-A-D-I, would be a place where if it rains a lot, water passes through the wadi. The Kidron Valley is not very wide. And what you do is if you're, if you're on the Mount of Olives east of the Temple Mount over here, you go down the mount, just like Jesus when he entered in on uh, Palm Sunday. You go down the mount, you cross over the Kidron, which is at the bottom of the Mount of Olives, and you go up to Jerusalem. You go up to the old city or through the old city to the Temple Mount. So kind of like this, more maybe like this, where if you're at the top of the Mount of Olives, you can look down on the Temple Mount, but you got to go down, cross the Kidron, and go up. Now, the night that Jesus was uh, betrayed, he went from the area of Jerusalem, crossed the Kidron the other way, and then went into the Mount of Olives and found the place that he prayed often, which was called the Garden of Gethsemane. And there you can even find olive trees that date back to the time of Jesus, they believe. So David has heard that Absalom has won the hearts of the people. He's been warned, and David begins to get out of town. And this is why there's a heaviness going on. And David, remember, in many ways, his footsteps mirror that of the greater David, the Messiah, who would come later. And so the king passed over the brook Kidron, middle of 23. All the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. Now behold, Zadok also came and all the Levites with, with him carrying the ark of the covenant of God. They set down the ark of God and Abiathar came uh, up until all the people had finished passing from the city. The king said to Zadok, return the ark of God to the city. If I find favor in the sight of the Lord, 25, then he will bring me back again, back into the city of God and show me both it and his habitation. But if he should say thus, I have no delight in you. Behold, here I am, says David. Let him, God, do to me as seems good to him. So David had decided that he was going to uh, leave it in God's hands. He knew he had blown it. He knew God had been merciful to him. So he said, whatever way this goes, this is going to go. Notice what happens now. David 30 went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went. His head was covered and he walked barefoot. Now, this is setting the footsteps of where Messiah would ultimately walk the night that he was betrayed and with a lot of heaviness on the group. All the people who were with him each covered his head and went up weeping as they went. They all had to get out of town. They had to leave the holy city. They knew Absalom was planning on trying to, uh, it was a coup. He was trying to take David's throne. Everybody was brokenhearted. Everybody was weeping. You can understand. Now, someone told David saying Ahithophel. Ahithophel was David's trusted counselor, but he was also, he was either Bathsheba's father or grandfather. I'm trying to, re to recollect exactly, but one of the two. And Ahithophel had been hiding hatred in his heart for David because David had stolen Bathsheba away from Uriah and then had Uriah killed. Now, even though Ahithophel was a close counselor of David, there was kind of a festering bitterness in his heart towards what David had done to his family. And so this is the backdrop of the story. Now, Ahithophel... Uh, David is now told, Absalom's trying to kill you. He wants to take your throne. And Ahithophel, David's close, trusted advisor and friend, is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, Oh Lord, I pray, make the counsel of Ahithophel foolishness. Bring it to nothing. 
Now, David, in a matter of, you know, a short period of time has just found out his son is trying to murder him, take his throne, and probably his most trusted counselor in his administration is a co-conspirator against him. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you just tuned in, then you missed the first half of today's edition of Walk in Truth. That's okay. You can listen to this episode and many others whenever it's convenient for you on your free Living Truth app. Walk in Truth is also on your favorite podcast app. Simply search for and subscribe to Walk in Truth on apps like Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, Google Podcast, Stitcher, and many more. Listening to a podcast as well as radio is a great way to get some time in the Word when you're walking, catching up on some work, or if you're like me and just need to listen to some Bible teaching while getting ready in the morning. Remember, you can find Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Rob Newton, Program Director for Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. I've been working with this ministry for nearly three years. I have to tell you, I'm so blessed the Lord has connected me with Pastor Michael and the entire staff at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. I've worked with quite a few ministries, and I'm going to be honest with you, I could be skeptical. Well, if I'm really honest, judgmental right off the bat because of my past experiences working with other ministries. I'd think, okay, they seem kind and loving. Let's see how long this lasts. Anyway, the point I'm making is that Pastor Michael and the entire staff, and I mean the entire staff, are wonderful people. Did you know before we end a staff meeting with prayer, we end it with making a list of people who need or are asking for prayer and pray for them too. I can go on and on about the staff, but time's ticking away. If you've been listening for some time, I want to let you know from my experience, Pastor Michael is a good man. He cares about the mission the Lord has placed before him. He loves his church, and he loves you. Why else would he speak the truth even when you don't want to hear it? This podcast exists because of him, and the Lord's gift to him. We would love to expand this ministry to be on more radio stations, and we need your help to do it. Before we can add a radio station, we need our largest radio station airtime bill to be completely funded by listeners like you. That price per year is $44,500 a year. Now let's get transparent. Walk in Truth has been on the air since 2012, thanks to our church. Last year, 16 listeners outside our church collectively gave nearly $1,500. We were so grateful and excited to see growth. I mean, really excited. This year, in all its uncertainty, has surprised us and given us so much hope. So far, 191 listeners have collectively given nearly $11,000. It's amazing, right? We would love your help and support to raise the remaining $33,500. Monthly partnership is what we need. Can you commit to giving at least $1 a month? We have a lot of podcast listeners, and if even half commit between $1 and $5, we will make our goal. If everyone thinks, well, others will give that $1 a month, I don't need to then most won't give. Your monthly partnership is needed. If you're a new listener, please only help by praying for our ministry and its mission to equip people with God's truth. But if you've listened for some time and you're starting to see Walk in Truth as I do, please commit to giving $1 to $5 a month. Or if you're already a monthly partner, upping your gift by $5. Please visit walkintruth.com today to give your tax-deductible donation. That's walkintruth.com. And thank you. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And Ahithophel had been hiding hatred in his heart for David 
because David had stolen Bathsheba away from Uriah and then had Uriah killed. Now, even though Ahithophel was a close counselor of David, there was kind of a festering bitterness in his heart towards what David had done to his family. And so this is the backdrop of the story. Now, Ahithophel, uh, David is now told, Absalom's trying to kill you. He wants to take your throne. And Ahithophel, David's close, trusted advisor and friend, is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, make the counsel of Ahithophel foolishness. Bring it to nothing. Now, David, in a matter of, you know, a short period of time, has just found out his son is trying to murder him, take his throne, and probably his most trusted counselor in his administration is a co-conspirator against him. And, you know, Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, uh, he knew that Peter was going to deny him three times, beginning at that firelight in there uh, by the high priest's house. But uh, also, he had been uh, betrayed earlier by Judas. He knew that the whole entourage was coming. It was pain upon pain upon pain. And David's steps mirror what will happen to the Messiah and this is interesting just to think about because remember, Messiah comes from the line of David. He's the greater David. David was the anointed one, the man after God's own heart. Jesus is the greater David. He was even called son of David by people who were trying to get his attention or get a miracle from him and so forth. And so this is what's happening now. David's heavy-hearted, uh, another blow, comes his way, and uh, it's just a body blow after body blow. And I, I guess we've all been there before where, you know, we, we think, you know, I can't take one more bad thing this week, and we get another blow and another blow. And it, it could be something at work. It could be relational. You could be looking at the country or the news reports or whatever. And uh, it's just hard. And David knew what that was like. And this is where some of our wealthiest psalms come from is from the place of pain. And I will tell you that uh, if, you're, find your, if you find yourself in that place of pain, if you're wrestling with life, it's a good time to just pour your heart out to God and, and to realize that the book of Psalms is a pretty good place to be. Now, uh, one more I want to show you. So 16, um, we're at verse 5. So I want to show you one more thing that happens. Now, when King David... Uh, when King David, 16.5, came to Baharim, behold, there came out from there a man of the family of the house of Saul. And remember, uh, David had uh, supplanted or replaced Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came out cursing continually as he came. Now remember all the heaviness David is going through. And he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were at his right hand and at his left. And thus Shimei said when he cursed, get out, get out, you man of bloodshed, you worthless fellow. Now, can you imagine? David's been weeping. The people have been walking up the Mount of Olives. He's found out his son is trying to take his throne and murder him. His most trusted counselor is part of the conspiracy and the coup. And now this man, who's some relative of Saul, begins to throw rocks at him and curse him. Talk about having a bad day, right? And he says, you worthless fellow, you're worth nothing. And he just begins to pour it on him and pour it on him. And here's 
you know, this incredible man of faith, this man that we all know his name. And Shemai is cursing at him, calling him worthless. He says, the Lord has returned upon you all the bloodshed of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. You're done. And behold, you are taken in your own evil for you are a man of bloodshed. Then Abishai, the son of that guy, said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over there and cut off his head. And if you're David and you're at the end of a bad day, what do you think you might have said there? You know what? Yeah, off with his head. <laughs> Shut him up. <laughs> I'm done. I'm tired. I'm done being a nice Christian man or woman. Ever been there before? I'm not letting anybody else in in traffic. <laughs> I'm going to let a few of those words fly that have been rotating in my head that Christians are not supposed to speak. Yeah. <laughs> but David is amazing here. The king said, what have I to do with you, O sons of Zeruiah? If he curses and if the Lord has told him, curse David, then who shall say, what have you, why have you done so? Then David said to Abishai and to all his servants, behold, my son who came out from me seeks my life. How much more now this Benjamite, this guy? Let him alone. Let him curse. And look at David. For the Lord has told him, perhaps the Lord will look on my affliction and return good to me instead of his cursing this day. Now that is an amazing response. Because you're the king and at your beck and call, you could tell one of those soldiers, you know what, just go take care of that guy. But he doesn't. And I don't know if David had an insight from the Holy Spirit here, or if this is just him feeling really low and saying, you know, this is probably the Lord inspiring this guy to curse me. I don't know for sure. But I do know that David's having a really bad day <laughs> and a bad week. But his humility is amazing. And so... Down to verse 20. Absalom said to Ahithophel, give your advice, what shall we do? And here's the negative frosting on the cake. Ahithophel said to Absalom, go in your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house. Then all Israel will hear that you've made yourself odious to your father. Absalom, you know, is kind of taken over shop in Jerusalem. First thing he says to David's ex-best friend, hey, what do you think we should do first? Hey, go and sleep with your father's harem, which by the way was an ancient way of saying, I am now taking authority over the kingship because the harem belonged to the king. And uh, this is the way it was done in ancient days. And, and so this was a prophecy that was actually spoken. The hands of, all, of who are with you will also be strengthened. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof. And Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. And he fulfilled the prophecy spoken. What you've done in secret, God will show openly. You've been listening to The One Who Lifts My Head, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. 
Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 3. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Just so you know, we're trying to make Walk in Truth 100% listener-supported, and thank you so much for all our financial and praying partners for Walk in Truth. We'd like to take a moment to thank some of our new donors. Thank you, Ethel from Pasadena, for your generous gift, and thank you, Heather from Silmar, Arnell from Chino Hills, and Tara from Diamond Bar. Thank you all so much, and there's more people to thank. If you've made Walk in Truth part of your regular listening, would you please consider becoming a monthly partner? Our annual expenditures for radio airtime, promotion, equipment, supplies, operations, and much more reach over $150,000. Our fiscal year starts in April, and so far, thanks to listeners like you, we've now raised nearly $25,000. The rest of the bills are paid by our church. Now, we're so grateful because we've seen tremendous growth in listener partnership since we started this ministry. Every step closer to being fully supported by our listeners makes it possible for this ministry to expand to more radio stations to reach more people. So thank you so much, Abraham from Stanton, California, for your gift of $318. Would you please be like Abraham and consider giving a one-time donation of $200 or become a monthly partner giving at least $10? Your tax-deductible donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events. It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and how to help you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. So please pray and consider partnering with Pastor Michael and Walk in Truth. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 3 called The One Who Lifts My Head. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.